Hello and welcome back to the next part of our Bushfire special series with Liz Crow. If you want to learn more about our fantastic guest, then check out the intro for the previous episode. But let's just jump straight into this one. In part two, Liz tells us how we can support someone who is caught up in a challenging situation like the fires that our Aussie vets and thousands of other workers are currently dealing with. Watching our friends and colleagues give so much of themselves is inspiring, but it's easy to feel powerless to help if you aren't right there on the front lines. Liz gives us the best answer I've heard so far on how we can be useful from afar. And please remember to share this episode with anyone who you think might see value in listening to it. Enjoy. Now that, that leads me to the next question. There are a lot of people out there, and I know a lot of vets who are concerned about their colleagues, who are not involved in the crisis. I'm, I'm in Western Australia. We come to comfortably removed from the, the worst of it. How do we support those people? Are there things that we can do or say if you're on your social media groups or you're in touch with somebody who is in the thick of it and, and potentially struggling um, with, the, with the situation? How, how can we support them? Or let's rephrase it. What, what do you do in your job to support those criticalists or those people who have to deal with it on a day-to-day basis? So I don't think platitudes are helpful. Mm-hmm. I don't even think saying like, wow, you're amazing. Like in the thick of it, it just seems like it's nothing. It doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. I think um, Judith Murray uses a term that I use that now I keep getting all the credit for, but it's not mine. So it's called sitting in the rubble. So when someone's in complete despair, feeling comfortable to just sit in the space where that person is, mm-hmm. not feeling like you have to have magic words or... Mm-hmm something incredibly profound to say, Mm. but just being able to say, you know, I'm not sure I have any words, but I'm here, I'm listening. You know, whatever your emotional response to this, I can hear it, I can tolerate it. And, Mm. you know, I guess that's the other thing. Like often when people are in these huge crises, people say to me, you know, one nurse will come to me and say, you know, I cannot stop crying and I've been physically ill, I've been vomiting up my lunch and I'm in this huge crisis, I'm crying, crying, and then... I turn the next corner and, you know, another nurse or a doctor says to me, I'm a sociopath. I feel nothing. Like I just, Mm, just doing the job or like, I'm just glad that I can use my skills and I'm helping people, but I don't feel impacted by it. Mm. Turn another corner and someone's like, I've stopped sleeping. You Mm. know, there's, there's no normal response to something of this level because we've never seen it before. Mm. There's no benchmark. There's no bar that we can compare it to. So, I say to people, unless you are a fear of hurting yourself or others, mm. your emotions are normal. Mm. Um, I would imagine most people are going to be a bit irritable and cranky and mm. just because they're, you know, their brains would be decision fatigued and they'll be exhausted and they might find that they're short with their family members just because they're done. Try not to feel too guilty about that. Ask your family to show some consideration that you're not operating at your best. But being able to sit with someone, whatever their emotions is, is very powerful in itself. Um, and then I think just being able to say, you know, if there is something practical that we can do. Mm. So, you know, to, I think being able to replenish supplies or whatever they need, they've got it. Yep. Being able them to be able to access water or food, you know, someone making meals yep. for someone makes a massive difference. Mm. Don't have to come home and turn around and think of it. I'm thinking of all this on the fly, but I would think that in four weeks' time, these guys are going to need a break. 
So mm. for people to come and do locums yeah. in those surgeries so that people can actually step right away, get away from yeah. all the stress, if that's what they want to do, that there is an option to do so without being hugely financially disadvantaged if it's their own, yeah. you know, if, the, if it's their own practice would be very powerful. Mm. I think remembering this, like all of us should mark this in our calendars and if we have someone in a year's time ring and say, what happened last year was huge. Like where does that sit with you now? Mm. Is there something we can do, you know, market at three months, six months, not nine months, mm. at 12 months that, because, you know, it's like my friends who are still working with the burns victims for the volcano. The world moves on. Yeah. You know, people yeah. go, well, this is huge, blah, blah, blah. Well, now it's the bushfires. You know, in six weeks' time, somewhere could be flooding and that's where our attention will be. Yeah. But the yeah. crisis continues. So, you know, like I've got a very good friend um, who's a doctor at Kangaroo Island. He keeps saying, you know, promise to visit us. Yeah. Promise to bring a conference here so that we can generate some money for yeah. our community and we can rebuild in a very tangible way. Mm. And I, th I think it's about that. Think about everybody wants to respond in the immediate crisis because there's also yeah. some secondary gain to that. Like, oh, I'm going to yeah. fly down, I'm going to do this and be a bit mm. of a hero. You know, if you want to be a real hero, do it in 12 weeks' time when, yeah. no one, when there's no media no and no one's paying any attention yeah. and actually you're... Your, okay. you know, your colleagues are exhausted and need a break. Yeah. Mm. That's great. Yeah, I think that is critical. We do forget very quickly. Yeah. Yeah. The media forgets very quickly and we just move on. Dorado, questions? Um, no, like oh, th that, that really answered my question. That was really kind of, you know, people reach out for help and support on social media platforms or even you might have family members who, who, who you're speaking to. And it's, sometimes it's impossible to not to say. It's like, I'm so sorry you're going through that, but you know, you've kind of cleared that up that it's mm. sometimes you just don't need to have really anything to say, really. It's just mm. maybe just whatever they need. Yeah. I'm here and yeah. Because I get caught like that. I'm just like, I don't know what to, I don't know what to type now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think that's it. I think as a as a profession we want to fix it. Yeah. Mm. Whatever you need, I'm here. Yeah. yeah. And if that's silence, that's fine. And if it's not today, it's like a the door is open. There is no, I always say to people, there's no end point for my mm. offer for mm. this, um, that, it's, that it's an ongoing thing. And, you know, for some people, and, I, you know, I hate to be stereotypical, but for lots of men, mm -hmm. it'll be the most highest level of emotion they'll felt in their lives and it's completely foreign. And not all women, but lots of women are very practised at talking about their emotions. Mm. You know, we've been doing it for a long time. You break up with a guy when you're 13 and all your friends watch, you know, sad movies with you and you practise talking about it. <laughs> you know, boys just don't do that sort of thing. Yeah. And so, you know, I see it all the time with men, not just obviously, but with fathers whose children die or this is the biggest level of emotion they've ever had and they literally don't have words for it. They don't have language around it because... They've never had to experience it before. Yeah. And so what happens is we've got all these well-intentioned people saying, how do you feel about it? And they're like, I don't, I've got no language. <laughs> I, I literally don't have language. Funny, about Alex and I had this conversation last night. I was like, I don't even know how to articulate how I feel right now. I just feel really sad. <laughs> yeah, 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 it's true. It's like almost like the vocabulary is not there. Yeah, or and it, you're not practising. Mm. So when men reach out to men, there's this huge intention to help. But if you've never had to have a conversation with a man before about emotions, it's like, you're right, mate. 
Carry on. Think of, think of check in. Check. So, you know, like, first of all, everybody's going to have this huge range mm. of emotions. You know, some people mm. are going to be very, like, visibly distressed mm. and demonstrative, what we call demonstrative about their grief or see their tears or whatever. Some people are just, you know, going to eat their way through it. Some mm-hmm. people are going to starve their way through it. Mm-hmm. Some people are going to jog their way through it. You know, this is, it's, it's new territory in every way, shape or form. And so on your forum, you, I could be wrong, but I'm imagining a lot of what you talk about is like, I've got this dog and it's got this mm-hmm. tumor and, has you, and it's like, oh yeah, I know what to do. Or I've seen that before. Or there's a bloke in WA and he's done this and this. Way. <laughs> you know, that's what you've practiced on your or, you know, like we've got this problem with the staff member. Yeah. Has anyone got it? Yeah. It's very practical. There's a framework around it. Yeah. This is just emotions. Yeah. And so, yeah. first of all, the people who are impacted aren't going to go, hey, I'm in a dark space today because they're going to think, like, do I sound weird? Yeah. Am I, are people going to think if I haven't coped, then I'm a, a coping person? Yeah. <laughs> so, for those of you who don't know what to say, that's okay. Mm. For those of you who aren't sure what to respond, whether it's in your personal life, you know, mm. around something completely different or whether it's around the bushfire, to just say, mate, like, I've got no clue what to do, but I can come around and cook you a meal. I can have a beer with you. Or if you want to ask me what's happening with the cricket, do you, do you need to be distracted from it? Mm. I can do that or I can just be silent. <laughs> and that in itself is very powerful at saying, I'm going to sit in the love with you. I'm going to sit in the in whatever space you are mm. because those spaces will be completely different. Yep. And what people might need to do for themselves, again, in this acute crisis may be very different from what they need to do in three months' time, yeah. in six months' time, in a year's time to look back and go, you know what, it's now that I'm overwhelmed by the sadness of it. Like mm. now that all the crisis is down, I just think, wow, what happened and how did we get to this point and yeah. how did I do that? You know, there's yeah. not an end point for people feeling and a level of emotion to this crisis. So in a crisis and in a in an extreme grief reaction, which I would imagine this is, it's not the time to make big decisions. It's not the time to think about, I don't want to be a bed anymore, or we need to move house, or, you know, if we've lost everything, we definitely don't want to rebuild here because I, I don't want to be anywhere where there's greenery. I want to go and live in a concrete jungle because I know I'm safe. You know, it would be normal to have those emotions but not the time to make those decisions. Yeah. Okay. If, you, if you're thinking those thoughts, just put it on the back burner. Be very gentle about it. Like, okay, it'd be okay for me to have those thoughts, but I don't have to make a decision today or tomorrow. That's something that as this crisis abates and I really have time to reflect on this to make those decisions then. Yeah. Um, because I think it, there, there is an existential crisis to this. And, you know, when Ali was sending me photos from her friend who's out there, you know, it looks like this barren war zone. You know, mm. it doesn't look that different than after Chernobyl mm, or yeah. after Hiroshima. You know, there are whole communities wiped out with all of these, you know, deceased animals or animal suffering and houses destroyed mm. and it's like a shell of a life for these communities. Mm. And there is a grief associated with that as well. Mm. It's not just what people are having to do in terms of animal work. It's like, where is my community and my friends and Mm. what do we do now? And realistically, how do we rebuild? You can't make any of those decisions today and you can't make any of those decisions in the crisis. And maybe some people will move, but maybe some people for them, the meaning or the Mm. growth will be, I'm going to recommit to this community and this is, 
important to me mm. and maybe they all will just make that decision and change their mind in 18 months. That's okay. But it's never a good time to make life decisions when you're in a crisis and that's exactly what people are. They're in a crisis. Maybe that feeds back into how we can help each other. Yeah. If somebody, somebody's listening to this and then you have a friend in one of those zones or, a, or somebody you, you care for and they want to make a drastic decision and say, look, to say to them, I hear what you're saying, I understand, but just not now, just just yeah. take it easy and just just survive and then, then talk about it again in a, in a few months' time. So one word to try and lose from your vocabulary around this is I understand. I don't think any of us got any clue. So, mm-hmm. you know, just to say... I've no idea and I'm sure it feels like a good time to make those decisions, but you know, just give it a little bit of space. Mm -hmm. Don't make, you know, if you need to get out, come and stay up here, you know, like by all means go on holidays. Then in a, you know, in a couple of weeks, let's, you know, revisit. And I'm always happy to talk to you and listen about it because there's no way I think any of us can understand. We can look at those pictures and think, my goodness, that would be horrific, but we've got no idea to look yeah. it, blah, blah, blah. Especially when you were saying about the communities. I mean, these people have often, you know, they've been born there. Yeah. You know, that was their school that's now disappeared. You know, that's the, the corner shop where, you know, so-and-so that, that they've grown up as, you know, there's just All so much. Memories, yeah. Memories, yeah. memories and, and history and things that were very much um, meaningful to them mm. and then being able to just understand that those things are the physical things are gone. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as you said, not making any drastic decisions. And then if it does come to a rebuild, then really being able to be positive about what the future might look like. Yeah. Mm. You know, this is, this is complex because it's so layered. Mm. You know, if you've been a vet who lives in this community, it's layered on every level. Like there may be so many losses that they haven't even been able to contemplate mm. yet. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, vets are often the cornerstone of those communities. Very much. And, you know, for some vets, maybe they don't even have the option to stay because people don't have the livestock anymore or yeah. whatever. But to just hold that space and know you're going to have a million questions that actually you can't answer. Mm. So you can ask them and ask them. You're still not going to have an answer. So just to back off a little, a little bit in relation to that. Yeah. Thank you again for listening. We hope you found value in that. And if you did, and ask you again please share it with anybody who you think could benefit from listening to this episode for those of you who are out there who want to help out and want to contribute there is a community of people who still need our support and that community is your fellow veterinarians in the areas in australia which are affected by the fires veterinarians are there treating wildlife treating domestic pets even treating and taking care of livestock and These veterinarians have themselves also either lost a clinic, lost their homes, may have lost loved ones, or have actually lost the community that is supporting their business. If you want to support those veterinarians on the ground in these areas, then I urge you to donate towards the AVA Benevolent Fund, the Australian Veterinary Association Benevolent Fund. You can find it on www.ava.com dot au forward slash donate.